0: Welcome to the Ozone Podcast, presented by Five Star Credit Union, with Jaguars senior writer, John Osier. All right, welcome to this week's Ozone Podcast. We're here at the NFL Owners Meetings 2022 edition at the uh, Breakers in Palm Beach. And I'm joined today by somebody I'm looking forward to talking to uh, because of his NFL knowledge, but also because of his intimate knowledge of Jaguars head coach, Doug Peterson, we're joined by Dan Pompey of the Athletic, a longtime NFL writer, one of the best around, who also co-wrote Doug Peterson's book, Fearless." And after that lengthy introduction, Dan, we appreciate you joining us today. It's
1: good to be with you, John. Always enjoy talking a little football with you and talking a little Jaguars. I think it's uh, kind of an exciting new era in Jaguars football with, with Doug Peterson. a, a needed new Super era, Bowl if winner. you will. Well, that's so, for sure that's <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um,
0: what did you, uh, and we'll get into what you learned about Doug Peterson, but maybe tell Jaguars fans um, you know, your nut graph, if you will, your t- summary of Doug as a, as a leader person that you learned from writing his book.
1: Well, I think there's a few things about him that stand out to me. The first is, um, you know, he would rate as high on the EQ scale as any head coach so to me that's probably something that's become increasingly important to a head coach uh, to be able to relate to people and kind of uh, understand where they're coming from and push the right buttons and I I think that's you know he does that as as well as anybody and then the other thing is you know you you look at uh, the experience level that he has in the league as a quarterback all the different People and systems programs he's been exposed to and how that blends into the person he is and uh, his ability to put together a playbook and a game plan that brings out the best in the athletes around him the personalities around him Um, he's got a willingness to take risks and um, i think he's got a, a great feel for quarterback development and how to how to uh develop a team, really, uh, how to bring out um, young players' best abilities and how to find ways to uh, make them advance in his program. So, I mean, I, I know that's a, a mouthful there, sure. but I think, uh, I, you know, there's a lot about Doug Peterson that's pretty
0: impressive to me. Um, there's a couple of things I want to get to, but uh, I guess the writer junkie in me is fascinated by how the process worked. You guys wrote this book right at the Super Bowl. We did. And that means he wasn't sitting around at the beach with a lot of free time. So how good was he as a uh, writing partner, as a subject? Because there's huge swaths of time you need to get from him as he's still preparing and doing his job.
1: Yeah, he was great, you know, and uh, we had three major interview times. Uh, Two of them were we spent weekends together, uh, in the Philadelphia area. We, okay. I, I went out to Philadelphia and spent an entire weekend with him twice. Uh, and then the third time was actually, oddly enough, at this very hotel. Sure. At the NFL meetings that year. Uh, we came, I came down here and spent some time here. And then after that, it was a lot of phone calls and texts or, you know, emails or that kind of thing. So, and it even was, though it's
0: was, his book... That can be an invasive thing, even if he's involved with it. And it sounds like he was—he sort of got it—an easy to work with person.
1: No question, he was on. Well, he was on board with the project, you know. So, if he wasn't on board, it wouldn't have worked, you know, because he had to really uh, give freely of his time and you know himself really. He had to tell his story and, you know, do it without holding back. And he did that, and it was, it was a really enjoyable process. It was a difficult process sure. from the standpoint of, uh, you know, it consumed me for uh, a long period of time, and, uh, but it was, uh, you know, it was good to be done with it. <laughs>
0: <that> <laughs> no, no, no doubt. <laughs> you mentioned something about him at the very top that has fascinated me for a while uh, in terms of what it takes to be an NFL coach these days, and I go back to it because you said Doug's really good at it. But it really has become a job that I think is perhaps more about EQ, about relationships, than it is about X's and O's. I think you can be a successful head coach without being a great X's and O's guy if you've got that point. Um, Do you agree with that and how, you know, I guess to reiterate, Doug's really strong in that area.
1: Yeah, no question. You know, there's a lot of things, obviously, that go into being a successful head coach. Uh, and, you know, I would never minimize the importance of strategy, but I think um, that's something that, you know, uh, if all you've got is strategy, I don't think you can gotcha. be successful, put it that way. And, uh, you know, Doug has the strategy part and he has the EQ part. And, um, you know, as, as the game changes, as people change, as different things evolve, uh, I think it's more important than it used to be. And it's funny because, you know, you, normally when you see a head coach change, you see the pendulum swings all the way. You know, <laughs> it doesn't go halfway. Right. And certainly that's what happened in Jacksonville where, you know, there were problems with the way that Urban Meyer related to players and people mm-hmm. around him, his employees and coaches, everything. And and now I think you will never
0: have those problems with Doug. How well did you know, did you know him before the book? And uh, what was your biggest uh, thing that you learned in in uh, working with him, about him as a coach?
1: Well, um, you know, I, I did not know him well before the book. So it was kind of an education uh, to me, too, in terms of who he was. Um, I would say, you know, uh, the, the biggest, the, the most interesting thing to me was talking about uh, some of his playing career mm-hmm. and how, you know, he had... Uh, been on the fringes of an NFL roster for so long and what that was like. And, you know, being, uh, you know, the second banana in Green Bay to Brett Favre and to Dan Marino in Miami. And, you know, what happened in Philadelphia where he thought he was going to be the starter at one point as a quarterback and he was supposed to be the starter and they kind of pulled uh, the rug out from under him and that didn't happen. So, um, you know, he he kind of experienced... Uh, almost everything you could experience as a player, and you know, lasted for a long time without years it, without ever really you know breaking through as mm-hmm. a major, you know, contributor in terms of being a starter. Uh, and I think you know, from that catbird seat, it really enabled him to kind of soak in a lot of knowledge and, and uh, experience through other people, and, and I think it helped him become a coach.
0: You think backups are typically better head coaches than starters because they get the job? I think mean, because they're just, they get it, they've been through it, and they've had to learn, they've had to be smart when they're playing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot more backups tend to go into coaching than starters. Uh, I don't know, you know, if that's out of... Necessity, or their mentality is different, or what? But
0: um, they didn't make as much money.
1: They didn't make. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that was the ne- necessity right. part. Right, gotcha. uh, but I, I think certainly, you know, you have to have that passion; otherwise, it's mm-hmm. not going to work. And um, you know, a, a lot of backups do seem to have that mm-hmm. that passion, and certainly he does. And you know, it's it's come out in his coaching career. And then, you know, the other part of him too is uh, how he's been able to learn as a coach. You know, from Andy Reid, and then also all the other coaches that he's worked with who've been, you know, some Hall of Fame caliber head coaches.
0: Did you talk to him at all when he was away from it for a year?
1: Uh, Yes. Yeah, we talked a little bit.
0: What was his. uh, I guess the question would be Did you sort of know at some point he was going to want to get back into it? Did it. Could you tell the issue? Yeah, I I
1: think that was. He was going to get back in as soon as he could, you know, uh, from the beginning. And. you know, I think the year off was good for him, and he probably something that uh, uh, helped him personally as well as professionally. It came really at a good time in his life. You know, when he had some things going right. on in his life, and um, but yeah, he was he was ready to come back this year. And I always thought you know he'd be the first guy in line to get a job. Uh, certainly, he was one of the first. Was he the first to interview in Jacksonville? Yes, I think he was. Yeah. So So that tells you something, and then he had another uh, a number of other opportunities as well and uh, you know it, it doesn't surprise me that he's back in
0: how did uh you mentioned, and uh, one of the funniest things in the book was probably how he each year with Green Bay once he was going to come back and then they'd call him late in the process and be like, "How many people did you really call before me Two yeah. th- you know and very honest about that, but uh do you think that shaped maybe how he deals with players you know doug marone when he was the coach in jacks would talk about getting released helped shape how he dealt with players and being able to deal with all all levels of players i would think doug has a compassion meaning doug peterson has a compassion and a uh, appreciation for everybody on that roster
1: well i, I think it certainly uh Increases your sensitivity to what it's like to being a fringe player mm-hmm. or a player who, you know, could be cut or a player who isn't necessarily the one that everyone's lining up for. Right. And, um, yeah, he, he understands what it's like to be, you know, the the 50th player on a roster. Mm-hmm. But I think he also understands what it's like to be Dan Marino. Right, because he sat in
0: F- Farr's meeting right?
1: Yeah, he, he was there with him. So... You know, that's the unique perspective that he has that very few people in the coaching business have.
0: What's the, uh, you know, coaching trees sometimes can you know, can be a little overplayed, but there's such a connection there with Andy Reid and such a uh, lineage there, um, You know, sort of a basic question, but any similarities that you see or what has Reid's uh, biggest influence been on Doug? Or is there maybe just too many to name one because they were so close?
1: Well, I think it's, you know, the system is the main thing, the offensive system. Uh, the respect for the way they, they treat people. You know, and Andy uh, is, is known for many, many years as a, as a coach who treats people well and has a genuine interest in the people around him. And, uh, uh, you know, he's I think Andy is a little bit more low-key than Doug. I think, you know, their their personalities are definitely different and their styles of of coaching really are different. But uh, I think, you know, the root of what they are offensively is the same, and that's kind of uh, what they really share more than anything. And it just so happens that, you know, they they both are a real people person, Mm -hmm. people people, I guess I would say, uh, who who can relate to everyone on the roster and in the building.
0: What's your impression of uh – Obviously, he's passionate about it or he wouldn't have taken it. But, um, you know, his fire, I assume, still burns from what you can tell. You knew him right after the Super Bowl. It's now five years later. Uh, still young at heart for, the, you know, for lack of a better way to put that. But you still see the fire in
1: Well, yeah, we talked about that. In the, in the interviews after the Super Bowl about how consumed he was with trying to get back that following year and how, you know, I mean, the, the Super Bowl was was still fresh in his mind and he was uh, doing all kinds of things to try to get uh, the team to forget about the Super Bowl, move on from the Super Bowl. And That's not always easy to do. You can no, say it, but it's hard to well, do. Well, to me, it's one of the most difficult things to do in all sports. And, and of course, you know, They struggled to get past some of the Super Bowl things, as most Super Bowl winners Mm -hmm. do. And uh, But it wasn't for lack of effort on his part because he did a lot of things to try to make the team uh, enter kind of a different phase and put themselves in a different mindset. And uh, you know, I, I really think if you went back and asked him, he'd probably say a lot of the things worked pretty well, but for whatever reason the Eagles weren't able to sure. y- capture the heights that they, they were the year they won the Super Bowl. Well,
0: they had been a bit of a miracle team in the playoffs, and it's sometimes hard to recapture magic. So, I mean... No question.
1: They, they they were yeah. I mean, you know, arguably the most unlikely Super Bowl winner in many years. Right. You know, because I mean, they here they had people forget this, but Carson Wentz was an MVP candidate right. in December when he went down.
0: Maybe the front runner. Right? Yeah. So yeah.
1: Yeah, and and then you know, then you've got a guy come off the bench who was basically rejected by mm-hmm. a number of other teams and you know, arguably played better than Wentz was playing. Right. and I mean, that, that just doesn't happen, you know. Right. And they had a lot of other adversity, too, that they overcame, a lot of right. other yeah. injuries. And then, you know, look who they're going against. And, you right. know, yeah. uh, I mean, it, it just was a completely uh, uh, almost unrealistic ask for them right. to be Super Bowl champs that year, and they did it.
0: What? Um, there's a couple of final things. Um, I think the fascinating thing to me about his Eagles – tenure, and I ask this uh, for Jaguars listeners because I think it will will apply at some point. He was remarkably good to me at uh, dealing with adversity. All three of his Eagles teams, even the ones after the Super Bowl team, had to overcome difficult starts. Late December runs where people had sort of counted them out. So he seems to thrive in that sort of situation, keeping a team together. Is that the right read and what makes him good at that?
1: Well, yes, I I think he is good at that, and I think that's definitely part of it. But I think the the bigger issue that stands out to me is he's been good at getting a team to peak at the right time. So you know, um, what happens in September or October sometime has been a little out of his control, whereas what's happened in December has been more of a reflection of some of the buttons he's pushing and some of the ways that he prepared his team to be ready to answer the bell when the games mean the most. And I think um, that's something that definitely has been a trademark of his team's and his coaching style, and I would expect for it to continue in Jacksonville.
0: Where does that come from? I mean, I guess it's an unfair question. It comes from everything he experienced. But is that more being an ex-player or just it happens to be his gift It's what he's good at?
1: Yeah, I think it's a combination of his life experience, his coaching experience, his playing experience. And, um, you know, I think being a player probably certainly is is a part of it because he knows what a player feels in his body and he knows, you know, what the grind is like and what the roller coaster is like and you know how to come up from out of the the dips and turns and how to gain momentum at the right time and um you know he understands that sometimes what you do in April and June uh in August has an impact on what you're doing in December or maybe even January and February
0: how uh yeah a couple of final things how do you think he'll fit uh And uh, where do you see uh, Trevor Lawrence benefiting from him? And how do you see Trevor Lawrence this year?
1: Yeah, I I would expect that Lawrence would take a big leap this year, uh, especially if they continue to to build around him as they have. You know, obviously they've taken the approach that uh, this team can compete now. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't spend the kind of money – that they have spent in right. free agency. If you think you're rebuilding or you're taking a slow play into right. contention, you know
0: this was not a slow play. No, they're they're
1: <laughs> they're all in. So you know, uh, if, if that continues, you know, obviously they've got a big draft coming up with <laughs> a lot of uh, possibilities there. You know, if they could add some some weapons there that, that would help him, uh, I think. You know, and, and I don't just mean that on one side of the ball. You know, you, obviously if if you improve your defense, you help your quarterback too. So, yeah, I, I think that he's going to take a big step. I'll be really surprised right. if he does not take a big step this year. You
0: know, I, I've known you a long time, and you've obviously known a lot of NFL head coaches. Uh, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like even beyond the book you respect and like Doug. I mean.
1: Yeah, I, I think that that's definitely fair. I think, uh, yeah, he's, matter of fact, uh my wife is here with me and she met him for the first time last night, We bumped into him and, and, uh, she walked away saying, Oh, what a nice guy. You know, he, he has that. Kind I of, about to
0: say of every head coach she meets. <laughs>
1: no, she she has not said that. Uh, but, and I won't tell you the one she hasn't said that, no, now, I, I hear you. but, uh, but, uh, yeah, I think he has that impact on just about everybody. I'm sure that most of you guys, when mm-hmm. you've met him, you kind of had the same impression of him and, um, uh, You know, I think uh, where, you know, you might say that's not important, but it is important Mm -hmm. because you're in a position where you're impacting people and you're asking people to do things for you and see things your way and work with you. And, you know, when you've got that kind of personality uh, where people like you and appreciate you and want to please you, it means something.
0: Yeah, I have no idea about that personality. It's not mine, but I'll I'll trust you when it comes to Doug. Dan Pompey, we've taken up enough of your time. I always appreciate your insight. Long one of the best NFL writers. Thank you for joining the Arizona podcast.
1: Okay, my pleasure, John. Thank you. I appreciate it, buddy.